0: Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
2: It is 5 o'clock. I will see you all tomorrow.
1: But Quinn and Chris are just getting started.
2: Sports talk it is.
1: Your host Tony Quinn Jr.
3: Will he get that one right? I, I think it'll be interesting. I I don't feel as bad for the umpires in this one. <laughs>
2: and Chris Ello. He well, did. I'm sticking up for my
4: brethren.
1: I like, am. <laughs> I am a high
4: school
2: basketball official, so I stick up for arbiters in all sports.
1: It's time to get you up to speed on all things sports. Yes, yes, yes. With plenty of nonsense in between. Chris starts right now on 97.3 The Fair.
4: This hour is brought to you by Ashley Furniture. Fall is almost here, and at Ashley, seasonal decorating is a breeze. Snuggle up on a sectional or ultra mo- modern sofa. Gather outside with a new fire pit or conversation set. Ashley has everything you'll need. Shop in store or visit Ashley.com today. Matt Scraby here in the Odyssey Palace. Tony Gwynn Jr. down at Peco Park. Chris Ello on assignment will be back next Monday, or the the, the coming Monday. Uh, we're going to do some daily gambit here in just a second. At the end of the hour, we're going to talk to Marcus McNeil, former uh, left tackle for the Chargers. He has some thoughts about the NFL and what happened this weekend. But I think we haven't mentioned it yet. It's a pretty unfortunate situation last night in Pittsburgh with uh, Nick Chubb and what happened with his leg. He is going to be undergoing surgery, they say, but they haven't really um, – Obviously, he's going to be undergoing surgery, but they haven't really said exactly what's wrong with his knee. All all that is being do they said. really need to? No, no, because his knee was dislocated and oh, it was it that, was bad. It, I have I have taken
3: the I have taken the um I am I am not going to look at it. I have decided, and then when I heard, I was watching first take this morning. I heard uh, I heard Uncle Shannon Sharp say. That it reminded him of Willis McGahee. That was all I needed to hear. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need to see. it. That is the reason why I am to this day queasy about watching in slow mo instant replays on, in, on on injuries. That one I still I can I can see it clear as day. In what was that two thousand two? He was at Miami, right? Yeah, or was it two thousand three? I can't remember. I, I think it was. Either. I know it was the year I got drafted. But I can't remember when the actual bowl game was played because it might have been like at either the very beginning of 2003 or the or the very end of 2002. I just remember his knee going in the uh, direction it should not have, that it shouldn't be able to go to.
4: Much like Nick Chubb's knee last. And that's night.
3: what it sounds like Nick Chubb uh, happened last. You night.
4: know he. Had a really terrible knee injury in college. Yeah, he did, and he uh, it was on the same knee. So I'm hoping that they could do some surgery. I'm hoping that with some with some rehab, he can come back. But people are saying this might be a career ender for him, uh, which I guess you can't really tell yet. Yeah, you
3: can't take that with a grain. That's like the people who said we told you so the whole time. Now that oh, about the
4: Padres, yes, yeah. Like stop. The other question that's burning out there about this, yeah, guessing is uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, whether or not he should have gone low on Nick Chubb. No, and... nah, man.
3: I, I, I don't think that's a real – I don't think it's a fair argument.
4: Okay. I really don't.
3: Listen, you have shrunk the hit area of a football player for good reason, right, because you're trying to limit head injuries, which have become the most dangerous after football. Um, and so and naturally, not to mention – Nick Chubb is a load coming. Oh through. yes, he is. You are equally in danger trying to hit him up high, as he is in danger you hitting him down low. Now you know so in real time, it's, and I think this is important. So many times we look at we look at things in slow motion and make all kinds of assumptions and kind of ideas of what should have happened, could have happened. But that's none of this is happening in slow motion. It's happening at an extremely fast pace. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately, you're not playing a contact sport. You're playing a collision sport. And in with that comes with the dangers of these type of injuries. I, I, I think there's so many things to, to talk about on this thing, right? Because what have we been talking about really since the beginning of football season? And one of the big storylines is, Running backs and their value, and them feeling like, oh, yeah. like they are getting the short end of the stick. In some ways, this strengthens his argument. Mm-hmm. In some ways, this strengthens the owners' argument. I thought the like, same exact thing. It is, it is a, it is a, it's a tough situation, man. I think eventually you're going to see less and less kids playing running back. You just are. They, and you know, I, I. It sucks because you know you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but this is the reason why running backs want to get paid earlier and more. This is why owners are like, "Yeah, man, nah, I don't, we, we don't." And, and you know, I, I thought this was a good point I heard earlier today. Running backs at this point should be, I mean, beside themselves if there's not a two-back tandem deal, right? Because yeah, you don't want to pay me for the mileage I'm 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 putting on. So at at the very least, I should be sharing the load with somebody else.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
2: If I'm not going
3: to get paid for the to, for the, the type of yard, the type of mileage you're going to put on me, then we should split this up. Then.
4: Yeah, and this is why I think that teams should just say, "Hey, our running backs are important to us, and we don't want them breaking their legs and ending their career without you know being taken care of." But it's never going to happen because that's not that's not how sports works.
3: Yeah, that is a fantasy world of I know of I
4: live in a. I live in a fantasy world. Uh, more yes, injury do. update news: Shohei Otani had an operation on his elbow today. The Angels announced it in a statement. Uh, apparently, he's going to be back in 2024 hitting, and he's going to be pitching in 2025. But that doesn't answer what team he's going to play for. You know what else they didn't address? What? What actually? I, I was going to say they, they operated. It on. wasn't a Tommy John surgery. That's why I didn't say Tommy John surgery. It was an elbow operation, <laughs> which could be a Tommy John surgery. Yeah, right?
3: they, like, yeah, They said elbow operation. So guess what, teams? You're going to only find this information out if you are on the finish line of signing o- o- uh, Shohei Otani.
4: <sighs> Otherwise, <sighs> you're not going to know. Can you imagine bidding on Shohei Otani and not really knowing his medical history uh, like a, well, at, in regards to this?
3: At this point, we know that medical history, at least as it pertained to Carlos Correa, uh, will be will be measured. Oh they're, yeah, they're definitely going to look at it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like the 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 initial conversations would happen, and then you start getting down to the nitty gritty, and like uh, we're going to need those medicals from from you, Mr. Otani.
4: And it's going to say elbow it, <laughs> operation. It is not going <laughs> to say elbow operation. It's <laughs> going to say exactly
3: what has happened. Um, and we'll see. So he definitely won't be pitching in 2024. It sounds like he yeah. will be ready to hit. And uh, by spring training, but no pitching next year.
4: No, nope. back to pitching. in twenty twenty five.
3: This is and again and this. I, I. It's not by chance that it's being listed as an elbow injury, because if it is a, a UCL, that would be his second. Yeah. And so you know, teams start being queasy when it comes to that second UCL. I don't and blame so, him. Yeah. No. It's with with with. Rightfully so, they should be because there haven't been very many, especially I, I believe starters, that have been able to come back and be you know who they are as a starter after the second Tommy John. Now someone just recently I'm trying to remember who it was had is having their second, and you know I think we'll, we'll the jury's still out. Is on Is it Degrom? How or is it more Oh, it is than Degrom. That. Okay, Degrom. Oh, did Degrom had a first one though? Yeah. Yeah, I think he did. So yeah, yeah. this is this this will be his second one. So we don't know. The jury's still out on that one.
4: The other thing that I noticed is it's no longer no longer Dr. James Andrews. That's the doctor. It's Dr. Dr. Eletrash. He's the new guy. Everywhere I go now it's Eletrash is the guy hey, who's doing surgeries. He
3: he's been he's been on the he's been on the cusp of this. For it was it's it probably around 20 I want to say about 2017 that I think he started to kind of be the elite the guy that everybody's going to. It yeah, was James Andrews, Andrews was getting Dr. a little bit older. Yeah, so uh, I, I've I've been looked at by Neil, Doctor Elotras, good guy.
4: He's a he's a. Wait, he's, you have yourself? Yeah. Wow, that's I'm, I'm talking to a star right here. Only the no, stars no, no, no. see Neil Elotras. No, I mean he
3: he was he was one of the Dodgers' main doctors. So when you had injury, when you had something significant that they wanted to look at. That's where I went. I got a lot of good information from him when I had my um, um, my sports hernia. He kind of mm. gave me some guidance on 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 that. Even though that wasn't the surgery that he was doing, uh, he's a super smart guy. He I actually. Think when, I think when I went in, uh, man, I'm struggling with names today. UFC fighter uh, retired a while ago. I think he was like undefeated though. Mm. He was a maniac. Oh. Uh... He okay, had, like, three names. George St. Pierre? George St. Pierre. He was, dude, I was talking about, I don't know, I'm not one that gets scared very easy, but this dude looked like a, just a, a downright machine <laughs> axe murderer when he was sitting in there, <laughs> quiet, like, just staring at the wall
4: as I was coming out of the, the room. I was like,
3: oh, man. Guy, he does look like he puts he yeah. some damage on you for yeah. sure.
4: I wouldn't want to see any UFC fighter in a in a room just by myself. I'd be so uncomfortable. Yeah, um, but El is he's the he's the one, man. He's he's the doctor. He is the doctor. All right. Let's get into some quick
1: Daily Gambit, Frank. Do you like money?
5: I think about money. Oh.
1: Gwen and Chris go through the top bets of the day in The Daily Gambit on 97.3 The Fan.
4: Daily Gambit, our daily sports betting segment here on Gwen and Chris. Please, everybody, gamble responsibly. Just a quick update today. Not many things that we're going to talk about. And, yes, uh, I got a DM yesterday. I'm not doing parlays anymore because we're for for a little bit. Because, you you know, 40 times in a row, it really doesn't feel good when you lose 40 times in a row. So. I think they
3: like they like the idea of you doing it and maybe one day getting it.
4: Maybe, but I'm going to take know, a little no. break and so okay. I'm going to be back in a couple weeks Fair with enough. the parlays. You do got a lot
3: on your plate with uh, with Chris being gone too.
4: Yeah, so. Chris also is a guy who um, he's he brings a lot of the odds to the daily gambit as well. So uh, what we'll talk about here: the M- NFL futures, the MVP odds have put. Tua Tongavailoa at the top of the list for MVP plus five fifty, Patrick Mahomes plus six fifty, Josh Allen somehow plus seven fifty, uh, Brock Purdy plus twenty two hundred. So everybody thinking, your guy,
3: your guy,
4: yes, Brock my guy, Purdy. who overthrew three touchdowns on Sunday. But we're not going to talk about that because it could have been a much easier game for them. But Tua. I mean, Tua I think deserves to be at the top. He's played pretty well this year. He didn't
3: play that, didn't play that great against the Patriots.
4: No, he did. Well, he still threw for over, he threw for over two hundred fifty yards, and they won the game.
3: Yeah, I mean, they did win, but I mean, it wasn't like it was like MVP performance, though. I didn't feel like.
4: Uh, no, well, you're right. That performance wasn't an MVP performance by itself. But in the two performances for quarterbacks this year, Tua is the one who has had, I guess, the the best combined performance. Uh, Dak Prescott's, Prescott, Prescott sneaking up the list, plus 1,000. Now, NFL Offensive Player of the Year odds, uh, Christian McCaffrey is at the top, tied with Tyreek Hill at plus 500.
3: Well, speaking of Christian McCaffrey, they had a clip of him running down that long run he had against the Rams, and him and the guy are talking yeah, trash. Yeah, What happened? I don't know, but I, it was looking up in the stands. Oh, my gosh, how many 49er fans are in that building? I'm telling you. They, they thought th- that was just a Charger problem. Apparently the Rams got the same issue.
4: You know, I think I, I think that the 49er fans are now taking it as, as Levi's like badge South, of honor. we have to go. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm telling I like you. That. I didn't see... There was so much
3: red in yeah. the SoFi the other day. Oh, my.
4: There was. It was like 3-1 49er fans to Rams fans at that game. But Christian McCaffrey, he also... I, I was sitting in the fourth quarter screaming from the stands, Take him out! Because they were winning. And uh, Kyle Shanahan said he needs to get better at doing the uh, yeah, running he, he back does. rotations.
3: Yes, he did. well Not only that, he needs... Yes, he's, he struggles.
4: He is. He's struggling with that. So, he leads the way... Um, For Offensive Player of the Year, Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson plus 900, Jamar Chase plus 3,000 at the bottom. NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year odds would be uh, leading right now is Bijan Robinson from the Falcons. He has looked really good in the first two weeks, so he's living up to hype, plus 210. Anthony Richardson plus 220. And here is an NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year Award uh, nominee that I think is a good has some good odds puka nakua is plus 600 for the offensive rookie of the year award and is why do for rams yeah yeah he's got he, he's like setting records i was watching him on sunday and he was open the entire time i couldn't believe it i could not believe that he had 15 catches on sunday but he might be a good bet plus 600 now um let me see who else is on that list. You got Jordan Addison. You got C.J. Stroud, Br- Bryce Young. I gotta say, in the first two weeks of the rookie quarterbacks, looks like he has the most work to do. You
3: know what I say about the rookie quarterbacks? At least the ones I've seen, they don't look overwhelmed. True, like we've seen from like we saw from Zach. You know, Zach when Wilson. He came. Yes. Yeah, like they don't look like that. Now there's plenty, plenty of football and plenty of confidence to be snatched away. So. There's time for it, but they haven't looked like that through the first couple.
4: No, they have not. But those are some of the quick odds out there. Uh, Let me just take a look at the MLB odds real quick. Nothing really. I shouldn't have even gone there. So let's just end the daily gambit there. And it's about time to hit that break, buddy. 3-16. It's about time to hit that break. We're going to talk to Marcus McNeil at the end of the hour, but when we get back, I'm going to go through some of the scoreboard watching for the Padres and kind of set you up with what teams are who teams are playing and what, uh, what the situation is for the Padres. So we'll do that when we get back, but first your traffic report.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
4: Back in the Odyssey Palace, 97.3 The Fan. I feel like I am running around with my head cut off today. So I'm glad that Frank is here helping me out. He is on the board right now. And Tony is down uh, in the clubhouse talking to some players, trying to get some more information after that second article about the culture within the Padres Clubhouse has come out, this time The Athletic with Dennis Lynn and Ken Rosenthal. Uh, if you haven't read it, you should, because it'll answer some of the questions that you may have had about what's going on with the Padres in the clubhouse uh, this season. So we'll talk about that more as the program goes along. It sound like Chris, the program goes along. Chris is uh, going to be back on Monday, and he is on assignment right now. This is Gwen and Chris. Now, I told you when we went to break that I was going to set up everything for the Padres and all the different things that the team has to do and teams that are ahead of them and what they're doing. So we're going to start with the Diamondbacks because Diamondbacks right now are the second team in the wild card. And the Diamondbacks and the Giants have two games to play here today and tomorrow. So they can beat up on each other. Then the Diamondbacks play three at Yankee Stadium three with the White Sox in Chicago, and then three to finish out the year against the Astros at home. So not an easy schedule whatsoever for the Diamondbacks. The Yankees aren't very good, but playing at Yankee Stadium, you know, three against the Astros, That the, the Diamondbacks are probably not the team that were, is going to come back to the pack. But you never know. know, There's still like 11 or 12 games left for a lot of these teams. So you just never really know what's going to happen. And that's why I'm keeping my hopes alive. Not really hopes, I guess. I'm keeping my mind open to the opportunity of the Padres sneaking into the playoffs, even as long of a shot as it is. The Giants have two games, as we just talked about, at the Diamondbacks. Then they have four at the Dodgers. Then three at home against the Padres. Then three at home to close the year against the Dodgers. Giants have a really difficult schedule to finish the season because they have seven games against the Dodgers in the last two weeks. And so the season is going to be made or broken by what the Giants do here against the um, the Dodgers in the four that happened from Thursday through Sunday of this week. So pay attention to that. I guess I hate to say it, but I guess cheer for the Dodgers in that regard. Because we, we need the Dodgers to beat the Giants. And if they have seven games against the Giants over the next two weeks, then we definitely need the Dodgers to beat them at least five times or something like that. But I hate cheering for the Dodgers. But if it benefits the Padres, I will. The Cubs are the third team right now in the National League wildcard. They have three against the Pirates, three against the Rockies at home and then they face the brewers or the Braves for 3 and the Brewers for 3 on the road. So the Cubs also have a pretty difficult schedule. They're also in the midst of a five-game losing streak and they're 2 and 8 in their last 10. So Padres are in the midst of a five-game winning streak and they are 7 and 3. The Chicago Cubs have done the complete opposite and they have a really difficult schedule. Outside of the Pirates, the Pirates and the Rockies yet the Braves and the Brewers and those two teams are No slouch, as we all know. The uh, Reds, they have three against the Pirates, and currently the Reds are tied with the Cubs, but they're losing the tiebreaker, so they're the first team out at the moment. But the Reds have two more games against the Twins. They won their game yesterday, but they have two more games against the Twins today and tomorrow, and then they have the um, three against the Pirates at home. Two at the Guardians and three at the Cardinals to finish the year. So not the hardest schedule for the Reds here at the end of the season. But you know the Reds are a young team. I, I honestly thought they were going to fall off by this point, and they haven't. So I got to give uh, I got to give David Bell some credit, the manager of the Reds. I got to give that team some credit because I just didn't expect them to be in it as long as they have been. And so the Reds are seventy nine and seventy three, and they are just right there on the doorstep of the wild card for the national league. Now the Marlins are the final team ahead of the Padres. They are five and five in their last 10. They lost their, they lost one. So they're not in a losing streak or anything, but they did uh, take a few against the Braves over the weekend. They have two more against the Mets at home. Then they have three against the Brewers at home, then three at the Mets and three at the pirates. So those are those teams right there. The diamondbacks, the Cubs, the Reds, the Marlins and the giants are the teams that you're going to be watching over the next two weeks to see whether or not the Padres are gaining any ground, whether or not the Padres are, you know, just staying standing pat. The last couple wins for the Padres, it hasn't been the greatest because the Padres have, um, they have uh, not gained any ground on the other teams. So their wild card elimination number has stayed the same as it was yesterday. It's at six. And uh, so we're going to keep watching that wildcard elimination number, but there's still a ton of work to do for the Padres. And again, I know I, I I seem like I think it's going to be a no brainer that they're going to go to the playoffs, but it's not like that. I understand that it's not likely. And, you know, some of the callers that we had yesterday talking about Manny Machado and whether or not he should get elbow surgery and whether or not he should shut it down now rather than wait until they're eliminated And some of the callers said, well, even if we do make the playoffs, who is going to pitch for us? Joe Musgrove uh, has uh, been shut down as well as you, Darvish. So you have two of your best pitchers that are not going to be able to start. And things have, uh, you know, things for the starting rotation have taken a, a big turn. And so even if they do get in the playoffs, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Padres with their starting pitching. But, as we saw last year, anything can really happen once you get into the playoffs. Again, it's a long shot, but these teams are the ones that you're going to have to pay attention to going forward and hope that they all lose and actually cheer for the Dodgers. That's what that's what's happening there. So that is your scoreboard watch update. I am Matt Scravey. This is Gwen and Chris. And when we get back, we are going to talk to former Charger and left tackle Marcus McNeil. He's going to join us to talk about Week 2 in the NFL. Some of the different uh, storylines, as well as his thoughts on the Nick Chubb injury. So, when we get back from break, that's what we're going to. Marcus McNeil on the other side on 97.3, the fan.
3: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the
0: cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch
6: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more
3: two tour. more.
6: You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
4: Talk saves lives. Join us for Odyssey's I'm Listening special, our annual two-hour national mental health conversation tomorrow night, September 20th. At 7 p.m. Hear from some of the biggest names in music and sports, such as Richard Sherman, Ed Sheeran, and more. Plus, insights from uh, respected mental health professionals and, of course, your stories. Join us for a constructive and supportive conversation about our mental illness here on 97.3 The Fan and the free Odyssey app. For more, visit imlistening.org. Remember talk saves lives matt Scraby here on gwen and chris 97.3 the fan frank marchese as well we are trying to get connected with marcus mcneil on zoom see this is what happens when i try things new for the first time it's just a matt Scraby curse i believe that nothing works and so we're we're trying to get connected with marcus we're texting back and forth i'm sending emails all this stuff what's up frank
6: I'm doing good. I I'm, I'm watching uh watching the drama unfold, I guess is kind of what's you happening. You have a front row seat to I do.
4: My Hair on Fire. Uh can you report to everyone out there what I what I'm like when my hair is on fire?
6: Uh very warm, I will say that. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's kind of like that big, warm, cuddly teddy bear kind of gets teeth and claws after a while. I've already been scratched like four or five times already yes uh he he does need i would suggest him getting caged at some point, oh okay, but other than that he's uh he's doing okay
4: all right well, that's good to hear. I definitely wanna um you know not be that scratchy bear because <laughs> I feel like things are much better when I'm not the Scratchy Bear, but, you you know, things go in different directions on live radio shows, and so I'm just going to roll with it. And Frank's been very good at being calm in the face of adversity as I'm running around the room screaming, Why is this working?
6: I have been very, very calm in the face of his adversity. Yes, I have Yes,
4: you certainly have. Like, literally, Frank, I look over at him, and he, he just is like literally on tiktok watching well on tiktok but just back in his chair like comfortable as can be as i'm sweating and my face is red and my hair is on fire but as soon as we can get marcus mcneil we're going to get him on the show to talk to him about some of the things in the nfl real quick though as we're waiting let's uh, talk about the padres and let's talk about that dennis lynn and ken rosen article that came out earlier in the athletic and if you haven't heard you can go to the athletic and you can read this it's titled the padres disastrous season reveals shaky foundation and institutional failure so i think you know where this uh article is going if you read the headline of it but it 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 has a lot of things in it that I think are very concerning to me. Mainly, the it, it seems like, according to the article, and I'm, I'm going to be talking about everything according to, like, the A, the relationship between A.J. Preller and Bob Melvin is unfixable, and that's the unfixable word is uh, comes from the article, and it comes from a player within the clubhouse. It also seems like there is a huge disconnect between... Uh, the front office, and the players. And what I mean by that is uh, uh, Preller has brought in a uh, someone who was, uh, before working with the Padres, his name is uh, Tricker. His last name is Tricker. He was brought in, and some of the players, according to – uh, according to the article, we're saying that this person has, you know, frequented the clubhouse, sat in on player and staff meetings, and was quietly taking notes. And some believe that he is effectively a spy for the front office, which I can't say is true or not. But I can, I can imagine it. It happens elsewhere. It doesn't just happen within the Padres clubhouse. It happens in businesses all the time that there is someone spying for the boss.
6: Sounds like Rasputin. Almost sounds (laughs)
4: like Rasputin. (laughs) I mean, I never thought I would talk about Rasputin on this show, but why not?
6: You don't. Players are very, very good at realizing who should and who shouldn't be where they are. Now. I've only been in the clubhouse four times. Tony was in the clubhouse four times before he was one. So he would be able to speak a little bit clearer on that. Yes. Yes, of course. But it's very clear even in like even in high school which was the highest level of baseball i played in you know when there is somebody there that doesn't belong mm, or that yeah. isn't right yeah and if that's the feeling that they're getting from this guy that's that's only going to make anything worse.
4: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be talking about things around him. I wouldn't be, exactly. you know, uh, I guess, uh, commiserating with him because I don't know where that information is going to go. I believe but, we
6: used Trent Crim on Friday.
4: Yes, we did. Uh, Yonder Alonso used Trent Crim, which I guess is a reporter that's in the show um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I've never seen it. Never will see it. All right. Before we get to Marcus, let's get to our traffic report. All right, we have tracked Marcus McNeil down, mainly because it's my fault that things aren't working in the studio. So thank you, Marcus, for sticking with us. You are a former left, left tackle of the San Diego Chargers. How are you doing today, buddy? Man, I'm doing all right. Scraze. I'm doing all right, man. How about yourself? Uh, well, not better now that I'm talking to you, because I always enjoy uh, talking with you. But, uh, you know, things have been a little crazy today in the studio, but not as crazy as last night for nick chubb and we talked about it a little bit earlier with tony nick chubb's knee injury he's going to get surgery for it they're not actually saying what happened to his knee or anything like that but never a good thing when you see a player like that just a player in general have to be carted off the field with a terrible knee injury what were your what were your thoughts about that
5: oh man I, i was hurt on multiple different levels uh my fantasy team is shot this year because oh, no. Nick show was, Nick was my, my, my number one running back. You know, yeah. uh, And then also, I, I was just wondering whether or not that was the same knee that he ended up hurting in Georgia because he had a, a bad knee injury yeah. back in college. So uh, I think it was the same knee that he injured. So I'm really just hoping that he can bounce back from this. Lord knows that the running back market doesn't need, you know, another running back going down because it's just going to continue to add fuel to the fire by them not wanting to pay running backs.
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And at what point do running backs kind of go on strike? Because. (laughs) I, I I know it. I know it sounds funny, but they're the only position right now that I see that's not being paid fairly. And then you have injuries like Saquon Barkley on Sunday, where he rolled his ankle and he's out for this week, possibly, most likely. And then you have Nick Chubb's knee injury. It just seems like if you're a running back, you are going to be used and then released by the team. And and I don't know that it's good for any running back to you know ha- know know that going into it.
5: No, absolutely. Uh, I, to be honest, I chuckled a little bit. not Definitely not because of the Nick Chubb injury. Yeah,
6: yeah.
5: But really, but really because I was just imagining that picket line <laughs> with nothing but like buff guys standing there talking <laughs> about, <laughs> we want our pay. You know, so I, I just chuckled kind of out loud when I had yeah. that visual pop up in my head. But, uh, I mean – I don't like it. You know, uh, I kind of talk about this sometimes when it comes to the quarterback market, you know, and how it's like they automatically get paid, but then you have the utility back, you know, that isn't getting paid, and it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, it's 11 guys on the field. Everybody's playing at this level to feed their family, and whenever you have backs going over 2,000 yards, rushing over 1,000 yards, I think the pay should be comparable to what they're doing on the field. But for some reason, everybody wants to talk well. They might get injured, so we're not going to pay them as much or spend as much on them when clearly some of these backs are the best players on their team.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly. It doesn't make any sense to me either because when you run the football in the NFL, you can pass the football, and running the football is constantly being referred to as the way to win for teams in the NFL, which means you need a running back. So, I hope that things work out as you said. And now you know why Marcus and I get along so well because I too envisioned a picket line with like um, Saquon Barkley and then like a scab trying to cross the picket line and them just all like beating them up. But that's just that's just our. Our weird minds, Marcus. That's just our it's
5: weird okay. minds. It's okay. It's okay. I understand you, scrapes. That's why we're on the same page.
4: Exactly. Now the Chargers. They have started zero to two. We talked about it when you were in here last week. That you're you're still a big Chargers guy. You follow them. Uh, Austin Eckler was out, but Brandon Staley. I'm not going to ask you should they fire him, but because you were a player in the NFL and in the locker room, what does talk of the coach on the hot seat do to players on the team?
5: Oh man, you know, I'm glad you asked that because I had a chance to deal with this, not in the pros. Look, he had not really in the pros because Modest Schottenheimer was my coach, uh, but they fired him so quick. I don't think he was on the hot seat with a 14-2 season No, ride. I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah. but, but he still ended up out of there. But I actually ended up, you know, uh, with Tommy Tuberville, Senator to Tuberville, now that he is, uh... He was kind of going through being on the hot seat while i was at auburn and it, it definitely adds you know people the locker room knows about it you know when you hear about it the media starts talking about it. it it's it's rough because you know that's your coach the guy that's leading you out there for every game so you you have that bond with them and you don't really want to see them go but the best thing that I remember Tubbs doing back in the day was, you know, not really letting it affect the locker room, you know. uh hmm. So I think with Staley's attitude, you know, uh you can tell he's still fired up for the team. He's all about the team. Uh he was a little bit chippy in the in the in the post game interview, yeah, Tony actually t- thought
4: that question was was a dumb question about going back to last year with the Jaguars and losing to them in in the playoffs but I don't know what you, how you felt about it,
5: yeah, I mean, I did too, but to to me, the show that he's so locked into this season just goes to show that he's a good fit in the locker room, you know, regardless of how the record's going right now. And everybody got to hold their horses just a little bit. It's only game two. You know what I'm saying? We're not even through halfway through the first quarter of the season and people want to already, you know, throw them on the hot seat and get rid of them. So let's let's just calm down. The Chargers still got a good team. You know, it was a tough game yesterday, but they came up with the L. Nobody likes that. You know, we were ta-
4: I was talking to this about my friend on Sunday, and it was more of like can defensive coaches do in an offensive first League. Does a defensive head coach make sense anymore? Or do you need like with the with the Chargers? They have a defensive-minded head coach and they have Justin Herbert who they just locked up to a long deal. And they have a good offense. Do you think that they would rather or they would have they would have better success with an offensive-minded coach rather than a defensive-minded coach?
5: I don't think it would be uh more success with an offensive-minded coach. I think you have to have balance. And if you are a defensive minded coach you know say like a ron rivera that's in washington right now he's a defensive head coach but then you go grab the enemy you know what i'm saying for your offense mm-hmm. and it seems like they have more balance now you know and it didn't take teams five ten years to do it you know it seems like as soon as they bought that offensive mind in there it just adds more balance to the team so maybe beef up you know what i'm saying the offensive side of the ball as far as coordinator wise you know uh but I, I'm not going to just take away, you know, the fact that a defensive-minded coach can win. I mean, Belichick is a defensive-minded coach. He has plenty of championships. Oh,
4: with, yeah, I heard about him time. So.
5: Yeah, I think we know that guy, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of forgot about him when I was talking to my friend about the uh, defensive-minded head coach. We're talking to Marcus McNeil here on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad Fan Hotline. You just mentioned it, but Kansas City used to have a guy named Eric Biennemi running their offense. He is now in Washington. Kansas City's offense has not been performing up to – to expectations, I think, through the first two weeks. Do you think how much do you think losing Eric Bieniemy hurt their offense?
5: I think it, I think it hurt a lot because if anything, I think he he kept a certain mentality on the sideline or during the game, right? So when you lose a coach, you know, that you know you can look towards or look straight to when we need an answer for something, that helps out just a lot, you know. And then on top of seeing Washington actually look like they got an offense this year, let you know that he has to be some sort of offensive-minded guru
4: yeah yeah i i the the commanders for some reason look like a team now i and it's 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 with the addition of uh, eric b and sam howell no one's ever heard of sam howell but all of a sudden he's like the hot quarterback on in the nfl because it's kind of like they found a diamond in the rough
5: is is sam howell the kid from north carolina Ooh. I don't even know where he came. Let I feel like that up. was him, but oh my goodness. Like, he came out of nowhere, but... He was, yeah, he North Carolina, yeah. Him. Yeah, okay, okay. I remember, I got family in North Carolina. That must what be be why I remember him. But <laughs> between him and your boy Purdy, like, these are two guys that I didn't see or expect to be able to lead a team who actually look good doing it right now.
4: Yes, yes, they do. So, now... Um... We're talking to Marcus McNeil on the premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. We saw a new field goal strategy uh, by the Patriots on Sunday night football, and it took everyone by surprise because they used the runner in motion. So basically there was a guy lined up on defense and he was lined up outside towards the sideline. And then he timed it up with the snap, which I think is the hardest part, but he ran towards the middle of the field. And then as soon as it was snapped, he ran towards the, the kicker and he blocked the kick. No problem. Do you think, uh, and what do you think about this strategy? This is this is kind of crazy. Do you think they're gonna like put a rule against this?
5: <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. Was, well, when they gonna come up with a rule about exactly. this? Exactly. They, they come up with rules seems like every thirty seconds, right? But like you say, the only way I can see offenses being able to neutralize this is to change up the snap count. And then, too, that guy on the end has to be able to block a little bit. Like, oh, that little arm he put out there was not enough. (laughs)
4: It was not enough. It was kind of like, ah, like, where Ah. are you going? (laughs) Like, he's about to block the kick,
5: buddy. Yeah. Come
4: on. I mean, it was, it was pretty, of course it came from a Belichick led, uh, special teams unit, but it, it was pretty ingenious. And I think we're going to see a lot of teams doing that, but, but timing up the snap is the, the hardest part. I don't even know how the guy knew or whatever, but he did. And he got across the line and he kicked it or he blocked it. No problem. Uh, Marcus last one for me. And thank you for joining us. What do you think? Cause Tony and I talk about this, talked about this yesterday. I'm into the new Monday Night Football song. I think it's great. What do you think about it? Because Tony wasn't really sold on it. He didn't really care, he said.
5: He didn't. Say, you know what I wasn't sold on? And this is going to hurt. I, I might lose my black card over this <laughs> one. <right here>. I, <laughs> I, I promise you. I wasn't sold on Snoop, man. Really? You know, I wasn't. Like, you know, and maybe because... It was just because the song that came on before, you know, everybody knows that song. I believe in God, and then then I stopped singing though. But, but we all know that song. No, 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 no. It gets worse. I promise you, it gets worse. (laughs) So, So, like when you heard that come on, I was like, "Ooh!" Like it started getting me fired up for the game. But then they put Snoop, and I love Uncle Snoop. But at the same time, it's like. It wasn't like a a classic Snoop verse that can match up to that song, you know what I'm saying, yeah. so it was kinda like I felt like they did a little injustice to to snoop on that one, you know, but I was kind of feeling it, you know what I'm saying i'm not I think it was the theme song, you know everybody's heard that rare enough for games and it just felt good you know oh it totally
4: felt good and it was it got me ready to run through a wall and i wasn't even about to play a football game so if it got me then they should show it to every single team before they play monday night football anyway i'm done (laughs) making bad jokes here marcus thank you so much for joining us here today and we'll talk to you again soon
5: all right, man. Holler at you Have a good one. You too. That was Marcus
4: McNeil on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. Yesterday we did not do it, but today we are going to do it. Dave versus the fans comes up next. Give us a call at 833-288-0973.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,